Amen. Well, thank you, worship team. It is so good to be with you today. Welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is, is Robbie Denson. I'm the executive pastor here at the Gathering, and it is just so good to be with you today. We've got a couple of people here uh, for our live recording. We want to welcome you uh, also. And, you know, the rest of you are watching uh, someplace uh, somewhere else. And so wherever that is, wherever you're joining us from today, we are just honored and excited that you're, that you're with us. Over the last several weeks, uh, we've been hearing from people who have discovered the Gathering Church during this season. And it's been great to have an opportunity to reach out and talk with them. And even in the season that we're in, connect them to the local church. And I say that because one of the challenges during a season like the one we are in right now is that uh, we can't always see and hear and, and feel even what is happening, right? Because we're used to being able to go on Sundays and connect in whatever way that was. And we were able to be in front of you and just say, hey, here's what's happening. I just want you to know that, that we are seeing God move in people's lives during this season. We're seeing transformation happen in people's lives. But it's not just that. Uh, there's been quite a bit of heartache and heartbreak during the last five months, as so many of you know and maybe have experienced. And I've been really proud of how this church has responded. I've heard story after story of people hurting, and, and I've seen community come around these people who are hurting. When people are dealing with what seems to be insurmountable odds, we've seen people come alongside them and partner together to walk through the challenge. And so I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you to so many of you who are doing the work of the church. We've always said that the church isn't a building. You've heard that time and time again. It isn't a group of pastors or even a, a larger group of leaders, but the church is the people. And that's more true now than it ever has been. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. A few weeks ago, we had the chance to hear from Pastor Ernest from Front Range Church out in Castle Rock, Colorado. And something that he said that he communicated near the end of his message has stuck with me over the last couple of weeks. He talked about how in a season like the one we're all in, there are so many voices trying to get our attention. And I think he's right. I think I'm being shouted at from every angle from the news and from social media and from some people and I feel like everyone's yelling at me and with good intentions and they're trying to get me to think the way that they think and feel the way that they feel and I and I think the point that Ernest was making is that many of us myself included at times we're allowing these things to take captive our attention some of us have pursued the voices we hear in all these other places. And in doing so, we have minimized the voice of God in our lives. And so the last several weeks, I've done what I can to flip the script on this. I've, I've turned down the news and I've turned down other sources and other voices. And here's why. Not because what I'm hearing is bad. Not because what I'm hearing is wrong. But here's, here's what I want to communicate. I think God has an opinion on these issues. 
I think if God had a Twitter account, he'd be like 140 characters just kind of letting us know where, where he's at on this. I think that if God had a Facebook account, he may, he may not be posting articles. He would be the article, right? And so I don't, I don't say minimize these other voices because they're not good, but I say I think God has an opinion on what's taking place in our country and in our world, but we have to turn his voice up. I want to jump into Hebrews this morning. Chapter 12, the author says, Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. He says this, and then he gives an Old Testament example as, as to why this is so important, that we, we listen up. He says, For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things remain. I want to be really clear with what I'm communicating right here. I, I am not a scholar. I am not a theologian. I'm a people person. And so what I want to say here is, is not from that, from that point of view. I, I can't tell you what event the author is talking about right here when he says all of creation will be shaken. I really don't know what, he, what, what event he's speaking of, but what I am saying is that by all accounts, a whole lot of things have been shaken in 2020, haven't they? He goes on, he says, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping with holy fear. That, that, that fear he's talking about refers to an ultimate respect for God. So he says, worship him with a holy fear and awe for our God is a devouring fire. Oftentimes in a season of crisis, we can see the shaking, right? We go home from a day of work and we turn on the news or we, like we said, we, we're on social media and we can see how other people are being shaken. But what we're all experiencing this year is different. Not only can we see the shaking, but now we feel it. Now, I'm not just watching you be uncomfortable. Now I'm uncomfortable. My old boss used to say, well, it's a, it's a minor issue when it's happening to you. It's a major issue when it's happening to me. And that's where we're at right now. I am being shaken myself. It's moved its way into my life. The last five months has caused a shakiness in all of us. The coronavirus has done damage to our world and to our jobs, to our futures, to so much of what we thought we knew about the world, what we thought we knew about our world. The social movement in our country has shaken so many of us to our core. For some, it's shaken us to an awareness that we now have. It's moved us to be open about what the black community has been shouting for so many generations. Our world has absolutely been shaken. Things are spiking right now like they never have. Overdoses are spiking. Suicide is spiking. Domestic abuse is spiking. Murder is spiking. And you see, the longer this goes on, the more we will be shaken the more pressure we will feel. And eventually, we're all going to reveal to those around us what's on the inside. 
and the label that we've put on ourselves, it won't matter anymore. What, 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 what do I mean by that? The version of us that we try to project to the world won't matter because the pressure has done us in. And the shaking has made it difficult for you and I to keep the main thing the main thing. It's made it difficult to keep God in his place in our lives. In 2 Chronicles, the author is, is referring to times when the, the world will go through plague and it will go through drought and it will go through uh, difficulties and challenges. And, and maybe we're in one of these seasons now. Well, in the middle of talking about these, these droughts and these plagues, the author says this, and I think it's so profound. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, he says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will hear their land. For many of us, this pandemic and the social movement supporting black lives, these things have revealed in us something that we didn't know was there. And can I just say something? I've had many seasons where I've come to realize that there's an ugliness in me. And that there's a brokenness in me, that there's a sin in me. And my initial temptation is to get defensive, right? It's to stand my ground. But what I've learned through trying all of that is that those are opportunities for me to humble myself, to pray and to seek the face of Jesus and to turn, to make a shift, to make a change in those seasons. I had to get over my pride in those seasons. I had to relinquish some control in those seasons. And on the other side, I felt a healing. I felt a growth. I felt closer to Jesus. And so today, I just want to talk about some ways that you and I can turn. I want to talk about ways that you and I can make some shifts because that label that we've put on ourselves that says, I'm doing great, I'm doing fine while on the inside we're feeling alone and we're feeling trapped and we're worried about next month's bills and we're worried about our children, whether they're going to be able to go to school. And we've got all of these concerns, but when the label says, nope, I'm doing great, we're getting shaken. The, the pressure is here. We've got to make a shift to relieve the pressure. There are some of us who are wearing a label to the outside world that doesn't match what's on the inside and a turn has to happen for you. So I want to talk about five things we can turn, five things that, that may have looked like this before coronavirus, five things that, that may have looked like this before maybe we were awakened to what's happening in our community. And now I want to look at what maybe I need to make some shifts and some changes for my life to look like this moving forward. I want you to write these down if you're taking notes. The first is this. I've got to turn from assumed to appreciated. From assumed to appreciated. We need to stop assuming so many things and we need to start appreciating more things. You know, I used to assume that I could stroll into Ingalls on Merriman Avenue and just buy toilet paper. I had to go to a gas station to get one roll of toilet paper for the office the other day. I used to assume I could have a bad day and call one of my accountability partners, the guys that I can complain to, the guys that I can say anything to. I, I used to know I could go to bed not feeling great knowing I got a lunch with my buddy Josh tomorrow. 
I got a lunch with Will and Will will let me say whatever I want to him. I used to assume these things. And get this. I used to assume my church. I did. I got, I got real comfortable. I just, used to, I just used to assume my church. On March 4th of this year, I was sitting down with a good friend of mine in Charleston at the Carolina Ale House. And I could not wait for him to ask me how this church was doing. I was just, come on, buddy, ask me, ask me. This is one of my good friends. He's been a high-level supporter of this church financially for over five years. And I had uh, just a righteous pride about, hey, man, I, I'm pumped to tell you what you have invested in. It's, it's working, man. It's working. And sure enough, he said, Robbie, how's the church going, man? And, and, and I said, man, I got to tell you, something's about to happen at the gathering that is crazy. And I said, man, I think, I think what we're doing is working. And I, I think God's about to honor it. I think we're about to make more and more of an impact in our city and people's lives. I think we're going to start helping more and more people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. And I was just so excited, and he was excited for me. And, and little did I know that after spending that weekend in Charleston, I would come back to meetings about shutting down our Sunday services. You know, so easy to think. I'll go have some time off in Charleston and then the church will be there when I get back. I, re I actually remember I called a few of my leaders down on the way to Charleston. I said, hey, I want to deal with this now because I'm shutting this thing off when I'm on vacation. We'll wrap back when I get back. Can I just tell you something? I miss you so much. I miss, I really do. I miss the small interactions I have with you on a Sunday morning. We, my wife and I, we were with our counselor last month and she said, what, you know, how are you grieving? What are you missing? And I said, can I just be honest? I'm missing being smiled at. I don't know if that's like really like selfish, but there's something about just an encounter where you're just, you kind of give a smile and you receive a smile. Man, I, I took that for, I just assumed that I took that for granted. I miss you so much. I miss seeing the setup team at 6 a.m. and I'm doing everything I can to act like I'm just awake, you know? And then there's Charles over there with a genuine, authentic smile on his face that just annoys me at 6 a.m., you know what I'm saying? I, I miss seeing Paul Shedler's dirty Green Bay Packers hats and cargo shorts, you know? That's what I miss. <laughs> I miss running around on a Sunday morning because uh, 20 people are texting me and the pro presenter is not working or planning center mess. I, I miss these moments. I miss watching Chelsea Halmerson lead her first impressions team. Maya lead the coffee team. I miss walk, walking into the worship center during practice. And I, I look over to my left and there's the prayer team led by Stephen and Cassie Mary. And they're praying for people who, as they walk in, they don't even know they're being prayed for that day. I've had to take a turn during this season. I've had to move from assuming to appreciating. I am so grateful for this church. I am so grateful for the people this church has put in my life. Maybe you've been assuming some things that you need to start appreciating. I've told my wife often in this season that I'm so grateful for my family. I don't, I don't want to take it for granted because here's the thing. When we assume things, listen to this. When we assume things, we stop working on them. When we assume things, we stop working on them. But when we are grateful for things, we fight to keep it that way. When we assume things, we get prideful over them. But when we are grateful for things, we carry them with humility. I love what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, 
For what gives you the right to make such a judgment? What, what do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? I've had to shift from assumption to appreciation. I'm realizing that everything I have is from God and, and I should treat it with gratitude. It's just so easy to take what God has given us for granted. You know, we, we say things like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check out on church for this season. This online thing ain't for me. I'll be back when my church gets back. My community will be there when I get back. Can I just say something? Your community needs you. You're important. Your community needs you. Or maybe for you, it's, you know, I've got a great wife and kids and, and she does so much for the family. I'm going to do something eventually to make them feel special. We have got to turn from assumed to appreciated. We've got to hold what God has given us as though it is invaluable. We've got to start treating all that God has given us with a high level of gratitude. Because here's the thing about gratitude. Gratitude has to reveal itself. Gratitude has to reveal itself. Our gratitude makes the people we say we love actually feel as though we love them. Let's start operating in gratitude. The second thing that maybe we need to turn from is we need to turn from self-sufficient to God-dependent. Self-sufficiency is, is very simply a form of pride. Because what self-sufficiency says is, I've got this, God. I'll tap you in when I need you. In Daniel, we, we hear the story of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, was a, he was a proud man. He was responsible for building Babylon. He had done quite a bit. He wasn't afraid to take credit for it. In fact, he says in, in, in chapter 4, he says, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence? By my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. In other words, Nebuchadnezzar is saying, I love me some me. And, and the Bible continues. It says, Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what I decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. See, what I think we're seeing during this season is that we don't have as much control as we thought we did. Maybe, maybe we've thought, I've provided for myself. I've built this for myself. I've seen a little bit of Nebuchadnezzar in me over the last five months. I've had to turn from it. I've had to turn from, from what I've done to recognizing that, no, maybe God had a bigger role in this than what I realized. Look at what happens when his royal authority is taken away. It says, you will be driven away from the people and will live with wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. So it takes Nebuchadnezzar seven years to humble himself and pray and turn his eyes towards God. And it says, after seven years, at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. Nebuchadnezzar was able to do what I hope all of us can do in this season. He raised his eyes towards heaven. It took him seven years. We can turn today. 
I think this is an opportunity for you and I to turn, to turn from thinking, I've got this. I've built this because here's the deal. If you've got this and you've built this, then now it's your job to hold it up when the whole world falls apart. We need to turn to God's got this. God built this. And he's going to hold this whole thing together. Move from self-sufficient to God-dependent. The third thing that we may need to turn from is we need to turn from scattered to gathered. Turn from scattered to gathered. One of the things that this virus has done to many of us is that it's gotten us far too comfortable with isolation. It's gotten us too comfortable with just being alone. Uh, is anybody watching uh, the Discovery Channel show called Alone? They just put it out to Netflix as well. These individuals, these, uh, you could call them crazy people, right? They, they, they get to take 10 items to the Arctic, and this show just drops them off and just wishes them luck. There's no food. There's no place to sleep. There's no air mattress. My queen-size mattress can't come with me. Nothing. They, they're just dropped off, and they're out there for months and months at a time. Some of them, they go home from injury. Some of them go home from starvation. But most of them, most of them go home because they miss their people. They get to a point where they realize they're cold, they're wet, they're starving, they've lost 25% of their body weight. And for what? For money? See, many of these people realize that the money was never the prize. They come to realize that people are the prize. Can you, can, you, can you hear that this morning? People are the prize. We see it in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It's so clear to us. There was a man all alone. There's something about that. He was all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. And he says, for who am I toiling? And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. You know, it is so easy for you and I to find ourselves in the exact same place. He had everything he wanted. He had the possessions. He had the wealth. For us, we, it's so easy to start, you know, where we go to work to get the money, to get the food, to give us the energy, to go to work, to get the money, to get the food, to give us the energy, for some of us, we're surrounded by people, but it, can't, it can feel like our days are just running along and we're just doing our best to keep up with them. We've lost the meaning and the purpose for what we do and, and why we do it because we're doing it alone. And in this season, it is so easy to get comfortable being alone. We're starting to feel alone and isolated. The passage continues and it gives us a solution to the toil. He says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. I can say with confidence, I can say with confidence that my family would not be at the place where we are today if we didn't have people to call when we were down. People to give us some, and this is so key. We have people in our life who, when we have come to the end of our strength, do you know what they do? They give us some of theirs. If I didn't have people to call 
when I couldn't go any further, if I couldn't hit my knees with people, if I didn't have people checking in on me saying, hey, man, I'm praying for you. And Steve and Mary text me weekly almost and says, hey, man, I want you to know that I'm praying for you. And this is, this is specifically what I'm praying for you. This is how I'm praying over your family. And just so you know, Robbie, here's what I think God is telling me. And it has brought life in to me. When we are scattered, we become vulnerable. Maybe you've been living your life with no one around to help when stuff hits the fan. Who is there to give you the strength you can't seem to muster up on your own? The verse continues. It says, also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And by the way, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You see, you don't have to wait for this pandemic to be over, to move from scattered to gathered. I know we have to be safe and we have to be smart when it comes to being around people. And I want you to know I respect everyone's opinion and thoughts and beliefs and convictions on all of that. But you have got to fight to have people in your life. Do whatever you need to do to gather a few people close. We must determine to keep important relationships a priority. A priority. The fourth thing that that you may need to turn from is you need to turn from going through life to growing through life. You know, so many of us have just, we've grown so accustomed to a pace of life that just keeps us moving. A pace of life that is much faster than the one that you currently reside in. Or maybe it's different for you. Maybe this whole thing has picked up your pace of life. You know, I know for me, I I like a full schedule. I thrive on it. I like going from one thing to the next. I like going into my weekend able to rest because I put a good week of work in. But for so many of us, things have slowed down. And unfortunately, with that, our growth has slowed down. I remember the first two weeks of this whole thing. I was just in denial. I was just waiting for this to be over. And I had to have a kick in my butt where it says, no, I can't. This isn't just a waiting season, but this has to be a growing season. There has never been a more important season for the church to teach the discipline of personal growth than right now. Than right now. It's time to grow. Paul says in Ephesians in chapter four, he says, no prolonged infancies among us, please. Some of us have stopped growing in this season. It's robbed us of our growth. We have this prolonged infancy and we've just stagnated and we're just stuck and we're just kind of waiting for things to change. He says, we'll not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are an easy mark for imposters. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and tell it in love. Like Christ in everything, we take our lead from Christ who is the source of everything that we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. I want to encourage you today that in this season, you prioritize your personal development. You get up and you read your Bible. You spend time in prayer. Do whatever you have to do to turn up the voice of Jesus in your life. 
I have, I have an accountability partner that I call every single Tuesday morning on the way to work. We ask each other, hey man, how you doing? How's your wife? Are you being a good husband? Are you being a good dad? What are you reading? We dig into each other and we ask the uncomfortable questions and we get honest with one another. And when necessary, we give each other the business because I need it sometimes because I want to grow. I, I'm not stuck because I want to be stuck. I just, I'm just stuck. And sometimes I need someone to get after me, to push me. Discover what you need to grow and pursue it. Take responsibility for it and grow. The fifth and the final thing that maybe we need to turn from is we've got to turn from do church to be the church. You know, you hear us say this a lot at the gathering, and it's because we believe it with a deep conviction. God has a purpose on your life. God has a purpose on your life, and it is so much bigger than just walking through the doors of our facility, and I miss it. I miss it, but my purpose is bigger. And so if you are, listen, if you're under the impression that your purpose is on pause until the doors of the church can open again, I just want to gently say you're misguided. You're wrong. I'm begging you to believe me. This, this pandemic has shown me that my purpose resides in my soul, not just in the context of a Sunday morning. And so that's why I'm, I'm really excited over the next couple of weeks. Pastor John Mark talked about Vision Sunday coming in two weeks. And I'm excited for that message. And I'm excited to, to roll out what the next few months are going to look like. And I can tell you this, uh, we're hoping that we'll meet again soon uh, on a Sunday. But the plans that we're working on, the meeting that I was in this Wednesday and even last Wednesday, they aren't about Sunday morning meetings. They're about being the church. They've, they've, they've been about caring for one another, caring for our community, answering the questions that our, that our community is saying, hey, we're hurting. But my, meeting, my meetings have been about being the church. And so what better season than the one we are in now to ask God to broaden your purpose. You know, I mean, I, I have a deep conviction that when our greeters put a smile on their face and they greet someone who's hesitant and does not want to be at church that day, just it makes an impact so deep in their soul. I believe there is purpose in that, but I just think this is a great season for you to say, get on your knees tonight or tomorrow morning and say, God, broaden my purpose. I don't want to be stagnant anymore. I want to see my purpose through the lens of my day-to-day -day life. I want to see my purpose in the lens of how I raise my children, how I care for my spouse, how I go off to college in a few weeks, broaden my purpose. Open my eyes to the hurting and, and give me an opportunity to come alongside them. I'll tell you what, man, my neighborhood is a buzz every single night with people walking the hills. My neighborhood gets their steps in. They're just taking advantage of this time to get out of the house. Some of them work from home. Some of them are stuck home. And so if you know my wife, you'll know that she loves to gather people together. This season really has been, has been hard for her because she thrives showing people value in that way. But I'll just tell you, I have been so impressed with her. This quarantine has not robbed her of one of her purposes. In the last five months, She'd gathered our neighbors outside for a social distancing hangout probably five or six times. 
All the neighbors just hanging out, like 20 of us. Some from their porch, they're like literally yelling at the rest of us. And we're like, listen, I get it. You're afraid, but we can't hear you. Like, we, we don't know what you're saying. I kid you not, she'll email me at work. And in the subject line, it says, print 35 of these. Sure enough, I'll open up the file and it's door hangers <laughs> that she's put together for the kids to go hang on the doors in our neighborhood. Uh, the entire neighborhood has granted her permanent administrative rights to the neighborhood Facebook page. She's a woman of authority. Just last week, we had a little neighborhood social distancing July 4th hangout. And as it ended, she just couldn't help herself. We've got these new neighbors that have moved in a few weeks ago. And she nudges me and she says, Robbie, um, let's invite them over for dinner. We can hang out on the back porch. And I said, Chelsea, I only got like, you know, patties for the, us and the kids. She goes, the kids don't need to eat tonight. We gotta have these people over. And so it was a serial night for the boys and we brought them over and, and, and they just, we just started hanging out with them. And, 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 and here's what you gotta understand. Her purpose is not putting together hangouts. Her purpose is people. It's people. And so we sat on our, our back deck and, and we shared some of our story with our new neighbors and in return, they shared a struggle that they've had and, and then they brought us into some opportunities that they're looking at now. And, and, and now we have this relationship starting to develop. You see, your purpose is not on pause during this pandemic. Your purpose is not on pause during this season. Don't just do church, be the church. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says in the message version, it says, God creates each of us, creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. You know, maybe you're sitting there today and you're thinking, well, good for you, Chelsea. What they do? And you just, you can't seem to, to figure out how you can be the church. I get it. I understand how this person and this person can be. I see it in them, but I don't see it in me. Let, me. let me just leave you today with a little direction. And it's actually pretty simple. How can you be the church? By demonstrating the love of God to the world around you. Just by demonstrating the love of God to the world around you. As hard as this year has been, it has not stopped us from the opportunity to show the world around you the love of God. I promise you, if you stop to look and listen, you will see and you will hear moments where you can wow people with the love of God. You know, maybe God's challenging you today to turn. Maybe it's in one of these areas. Maybe it's several. But maybe today God's just in there, right in here somewhere. And, or maybe God's in here and I just want to encourage you to let him come down here, like right there where that soul rests and where, where he could do a work in your heart. Why don't you join me and let's pray and let's ask God to help us to make these turns, to make these shifts. Jesus, this morning we come to you. We come to you in humility. God, a humility that allows growth, humility that allows change. I pray, God, that today that you would bring to the surface anything in us that needs to change, anything in us that needs to grow, God. If we've been scattered and you're calling us to bring people closer, maybe we've been assuming, and, and in that assuming, we've been 
hurting the ones that we love the most. God, move us to a place of appreciation. God, I pray that today we can walk and start to take real tangible steps to what's next, to healing, to restoration in our city, to healing in ourselves. Do a work in us, Jesus.